the most powerful beings on Denai, but it comes at a heck of a cost. God Touch Servants, next on the By Gods and Kings podcast. Now out on Amazon, By Gods and Kings, Crystal and Dawn. This single-player scenario arc follows the story of Sorosa as she travels through Southern Quar on behalf of the Haishin merchants. Collecting shards, weapons, more power, and even allies to fight alongside her. Follow along as Sorosa travels through the Crozian Echo and all the way up to Dern. By Gods and Kings, Crystal and Dawn is the first of our single-player scenarios with much more to follow. Purchase it now on Amazon. By Gods and Kings takes place in the fictional world of Dunai. For more information on By Gods and Kings or any of the products affiliated with it, please check out our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. The armies were amassed, each god had their own following. However, the most powerful warriors were still yet to reach the battlefield. In the previous episode, we discussed how Vesia had many unintended consequences that came from her removing the god's realms that were attached to Denai. One of the unintended consequences was that man was able to gain a foothold of power. Well, another one was the creation of God-touched servants. Now, in this episode, we're going to be referencing back to three specific by gods and kings works. We're going to be referencing back to Nathair Ascension. We're going to be referencing back to Whisperleaf. And most importantly, we're going to be referencing back to Shadow's Bastion. And most importantly, the God-touched servant who is at the forefront in Shadow's Bastion is Crix, the God-touched servant of Darien. So first, we're going to answer the question, what is a God-touched servant? How are they so powerful and what makes them so special? A God-touched servant is a person who has had their essence bound to Dunai. This person is then immortal. This person also has the power of the God that they are bound to. An example of this would be Koops, the God-touched servant of Valkus. Valkus is the Forge Master. He has the power of earth and fire. Koops has the ability to conjure both of which and use them offensively against his enemies as well as for other means to progress the faith of Valkus. There are many instances in history where Koops has taken his power to ignite forges throughout Denai for the servants of Valkus so that they can provide their tasks, so that they can create beautiful artisanally crafted pieces of equipment, armor, and weapons, as well as other things that were useful to Denai. In exchange for the knowledge, the power, and the immortality, though, Koops is bound to serve Valkus for all eternity. He must follow every command to the letter. He cannot sway. He cannot do anything against the will of Valkus, which for Koops is not a problem. Koops is very devout. He is a lackey. He is a minion. He is a mook. He is someone who will follow Valkus to the ends of Dunai. There is no issues with Koops's loyalty or whatnot. However, a God-touched servant can also change their loyalties upon becoming a God-touched. This happens quite a few times, especially with the followers of Valkus. Valkus created many God-touched. He also created many humanoid beings that would worship the other gods. Valkus loved to tinker. Valkus loved to create. That was Valkus's big deal. Well, Valkus would create several God-touched for two reasons. One, because he was curious about the process, and two, if he were ever approached he would do it just so they would leave him alone. He would create God Touch just so that people would bo quit bothering him and allow him to continue to create things without having to worry with it. 
One of these God-touched is a woman by the name of Gervania. She was originally a God-touched servant of Valkus, but after several years, she changed her allegiance to Malaris. Now, when a God-touched changes their allegiance, they carry with them the abilities and knowledge from the previous God, but now they're able to adapt and take on new abilities, new knowledge, new powers. Gervania then was able to the ability to conjure a chaotic essence instead of fire and encapsulated around Earth to project her at her enemies. She was essentially able to create dark energy fireballs that were very powerful, and it made her a very formidable force. But... Now she is forced to serve the god of chaos. At any moment that Gervania quits serving Malaris, she will immediately be targeted for death by Vesia. See, Vesia had to set forth rules in a hurry. So because she was not expecting this to happen, she was not expecting there to be god-touched servants, she was not expecting the gods of Dunai to work against her and to figure out loopholes. But that's what happened. And that's what happens concurrently in Dunai consistently. The gods are always trying to one-up one another, and they're always trying to get the upper hand. They're also always trying to change the rules. They're always trying to get Vesia to have to adapt. And Vesia, in history, has been very good at adapting. Now, God-touched servants filled the ranks of all the gods and all the armies. Now, there were many of them because you, they couldn't create complete battalions of them, though Darien did try. Referencing back to the book Shadow's Bastion, there is a court of Darien that involves five God-touched Chalice, Rosali, and a few others, Albatron. And they are a group of five, a battalion of five God-touched who served Darien. He did have quite a few, um, but it also is about Crix, who was also a God-touched servant of Darien. Darien was very emboldened by the idea of creating God-touched servants. He enjoyed having powerful units on the field that he could control. He felt it was his way to one-up every other god and his way to get power over Vesia. The problem came is that Vesia had two God-touched servants of her own. We can spend hours debating the powers of the God-touched and who is the strongest, who is the weakest, who is the most cunning, who is the most influential. J.D. Hill, the other author of By Gods and Kings, and I have spent a lot of time discussing who is the most powerful God-touched and who is the most influential. And it always comes back to, well, they're all powerful in their own ways, though there are some that absolutely suck. We can hark back to Hazuzu, who could only turn, who was a God Touch follower of Valkus before she was a God Touch servant of Xylene, and all she could do was essentially make steam. She was absolutely useless. But then you've got Skayer, who was a God Touch servant of Xylene, who ended up becoming a God Touch servant of Talgis, who could essentially manipulate the weather and manipulate storms and could capsize ships because of it. He could dominate the shipping lines, he could do so much. So there's so differing degrees of power. And it also comes down to situations. But, like I said earlier, there are some God Touch who, no matter the situation, they just got the raw end. They got a crappy deal. Like Hazuzu, she got a crappy deal. But that's just how it comes. Not all God Touch powers are equal. Just because you're a God Touch servant of Falcus doesn't mean you're going to be creating fireballs. You could just have the ability to heat things. You could just have the ability to manipulate the earth. You could be able to conjure earth. Just because you're a follower of Darien doesn't mean you're going to be hearkening lightning. You know, there's so many different things that can come with it. I go back to Shadow's Bastion, and Crix had the ability to manipulate essence, which is something that Darien could do. He had the ability to pull at the phrase and the fad- fabric of, of the essence of, of people. He didn't conjure lightning bolts like Zalara does. He, he doesn't do that things. He actually is able to manipulate essence on the order side of essence and be able to manipulate people that way. It's incredibly powerful, and Crix is one of the more powerful God Touch, in my humble opinion. 
However, no matter the conversation, no matter the debate, we always come back to some of the same God Touch being the more powerful of the others. One of which is Drusilla Whisperleaf from the book Whisperleaf. She is a God Touch servant of Phalaris, and she is remarkably powerful. She has a wicked temper and has the inability to process things rationally. What I mean by that is she is quick to anger and she is quick to strike. And she does that repeatedly throughout the work. Um, she ends up turning to a very dark path. I'm not going to spoil Whisperleaf. Go buy the book. Uh, or go listen to the entire story on this podcast. It's several months back. We have all the episodes recorded. We'd love for you to hear it. But the other one that we come back to is the brother and sister, Ebelus and Elise Mertrand. They are two God Touch servants of Vessia. Vessia originally did not have any God Touch servants. However, upon the marriage of Vessia to the God of Chaos, Malarif, which is a very long, drawn-out story that I'll have to get into at a later day, the agreement was she needed to become immortal, but she could not become a God Touch servant of Malarif. So Vessia, in a stroke of genius, turned her brother and herself into God Touch servants of Vesia. So Vesia then had two champions on Dunai, both of which were there to judge the God Touched and their actions. They were there to ba- make sure the scales were balanced. Both Elise and Eblis have similar abilities in that they can detonate the essence of a God Touched. God Touched are immortals for the most part. However, Elise and, and um, Eblis can make them unimmortal. They can unalive someone. They can also do this with mortals as well. However, their primary function is to take care of the God-touched. Finally, let's talk about how God-touched fit into the dichotomy of the world of Dunai. God-touched were looked upon differently versus some of the others in the ranks. Where the high priest was still the head of the order on Dunai, the God-touched were kind of were acting parallel. And there's many instances, we, we hearken back to the book Whisperleaf, where a God-touched servant and the high priest work against each other. But they both have differing actions that will impact things, I guess, differently. It's the best word for it. Um, I think back to Vitrialis, the new high priest of Phalaris, and then Drusilla, both trying to act in a manner that they thought would in, would uh, push Phalaris's order forward. And both acted against one another because of it. And so that's something they have to keep in mind. The abbots, the priests, many of the others who were in service would follow either one. Um, They would follow whoever was in front of them. Many of them would hearken back to the high priest because a priest, an abbot, they all want to advance in the ranks. Man had a foothold in the world, and we didn't really cover last week, we're going to cover a smidge here, is that since man had a bit of a presence now, man existed in the orders of the gods. And that while the gods did control things, man essentially was running the day-to-day operations. So it's one thing to keep in mind that man still had a role to play, especially in the order of the gods. The godchurch servants did not have to hearken back to that. They didn't have to worry about the order of man. They operated amongst themselves. And, then, and because of that, some of the priests, some of the abbots... Some of the followers would defer to the God Touch. Drusilla Whisperleaf has her own order on Dunai that followed just her and her commands, even in the day of Crystal and Dawn. So uh, I like to hearken these videos back, these podcasts back to uh, Crystal and Dawn, which is the work that's out now, and how this relates to Crystal and Dawn. Uh, halfway through, you're going to meet, you're going to see what happens at the end of Shadows Bastion with. Um, you're gonna get, you're gonna be introduced to Cricks, and you're gonna get to follow his story, the second half of his story. I'm not gonna get more into it. What happens? That's, I don't want to spoil it. 
But the second half of Crystal and Dawn really gets into his story and how Sarosa is able to assist in uncovering what happened to Cricks in the end. So uh, our next lore episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about the God Touched. We're going to talk about how everything leads up to Brile and the Sundering. And we're going to start pushing toward that. And I really want to talk about the events that lead up to the Sundering. So, hey, this is Chris with Script Career Publishing and By Gods and Kings. I look forward. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you guys enjoy our next episode. Hey everybody, thanks again for listening to the By Gods and Kings podcast. For more information on By Gods and Kings, you can always visit our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. But hey, you can also find us on Twitter, at By Gods and Kings. You can also find us on Facebook and even Reddit. We look forward to giving more content to you guys. You guys have a great afternoon. We'll see you on the other side.